You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Okay, this is The Human Condition. I'm Vince Orlando. I'm Sean Davis. And we're going to talk about something fun today, something that brings out the best in people usually. And it's, it's an interesting subject. And there's a reason that we called it Conceptions of God. Because in all actuality, all there are is conceptions, right? There's conceptions. We, we, we have ideas about what God is or what God is not. And the way that I, I view, the way that I view God, which is irrelevant to, you know, people that don't agree with me, I'm, I'm more of a spiritualist. I, I can see the beauty in every tradition. I don't know a whole lot about Satanism, but I, I have to believe that there's something that draws people to that school of thought. The, the thing that perplexes me is the way that people argue to the point that they will kill over religion, over what their belief of God is, when in reality you can't prove – there's no way, absolutely no way possible to prove – that your conception of God or spirit or or the universe or whatever it is that you want to call it, there's no way to prove that that is the absolute truth. In fact, all we have is our own personal experience, and and that's really it. And, and to, for for intelligent, rational people, and even for people that aren't that rational, to to not recognize how individualized the experience of God is. Blows my mind. So are we taking God out of the context of religion? Are we leaving religion alone on this one? No, I, th- I think we can talk religion too because it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating because you and I were talking before we started about you know all the different isms, right? Pantheism, uh, panentheism, uh, monotheism, poly- polytheism. Uh, henotheism. There's all these different theisms, right. right? And and the way that I view them when I break each one of them down, because I've studied them, because it fascinates me that number one, that w- what each of these different isms and, and the way that people study them and the way that they they um, they they perpetuate them in their their daily lives, what that tells me. Is that there's this is what it tells me, and this is why I feel that even though religion can get misconstrued and become a human means of control, and it can get bad, right? Organized religion, but the beauty in that these things are created and they stand the test of thousands of years is that there's this innate call to a higher purpose in most people. Even even the atheists who who, for the most part, detest the idea of any type of god, anything outside of the materialist worldview. Well, there's a passionate belief in them. So I, I think religion has very much has its place in the conversation on God. I personally am a spiritualist. I see the beauty in pretty much all of these traditions. 
except for, again, Satanism is one I haven't studied. So I, I can't really get into that. There may be some beauty there too. But I, I do think that the, that the playing field's open to discuss religion because it's a big part of it. And it was my initial understanding of any type of God was that – and my parents weren't real religious, but it was pretty much any school that would transport us out of the house on a Sunday right, right. so that they had their time together. So I was exposed through basically monotheism and it, it a lot of it didn't make sense to me so, and I found my own path. So if we go to Greek mythology. <clears throat> Polytheism. Right. So if you go back to Homer and the Iliad and the, uh, you know, the Odyssey, you know, a lot of times uh, the Greek gods, the Greek gods were there to represent a facet of power, but also like in storytelling, a lot of mythology and a lot of polytheism and stuff, the the stories were meant to explain things. That they couldn't That they understand. couldn't, right. You know, uh, a tidal wave hits, you know, the land and village gets wiped out and you can say, you know, the great mighty Poseidon was pissed off or right. and and then we take blame and then you get into sacrifices and then you get into all that stuff and you know, you can go into when we in into the Middle East before, you know, uh Islam and stuff, uh, the polytheism, they had Osiris and they had the goddess of fertility and and that whole thing, there's a lot of them. There was a there's a there's a whole story behind it. And I'm, well, there was I'm there was something for pretty much any human condition, right? I think Ikendu Ikendu was the story, and uh, and each year, you know, uh, they would do certain things for a lot of times harvests and stuff, and a lot of these rituals and practices were based on pleasing the gods and I think there was one documentary I saw Pompeii that huge volcano uh, when they went through this archaeology dig they saw like the first the first cross in someone's room and I don't know when that happened but I think it was maybe 120 year A.D. And usually the symbol for Christ back then was the fish. For the first couple hundred years, the symbol for Christ was that fish. So you see how things kind of move around. And, um, you know, we have to look at the, you know, if you want to look at the books, uh, the books have all been rewritten. I mean, I, I know there's some hardcore everyone out there, but... All the sacred texts have been changed. The Bible's been changed. Uh, in the in the first five books of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, they, they've been changed, and we all know that. And uh, the Quran's been changed because well, these these were books that these books were told by word of mouth and were handed down until someone put them out on paper and. You know, my dad would always like play this game about the Bible and he would tell a secret to the person in the classroom, the first person, and then the last kid in the classroom, the secret's been completely changed. 
you know, and, and you can say the same thing about the scriptures. Now, there's probably a lot of basis for a lot of this stuff, you know, and I went to the urban ministerial school and I studied all the books and I studied the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and, and a lot of that stuff. Just so you all know, that book is not literal. You know, it's a 90% of that book is metaphysical. And I say everything's metaphysical. True, but you, you know, know there, I mean? there's people that take that book and try to interpret it literally. Literally, and that's the problem. Right. Like, you know, you know I, I was watching uh, <clears throat> or listening to something by Sam Harris, and he made what I feel is, is an excellent analogy. Well, it's analogous to the, the multitude of, of religions. Sorry, my sound was off. Um, so it's it's analogous to to religion. He, he compared it to a work of art. Right. So the inherent value in a work of art is not in the work of art itself. If you were to take Starry Night, say by Van Gogh, and okay. which they they they've duplicated that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. You can get it at Walmart for fifteen bucks framed, right? So, it, it, but it's an exact duplicate. So it's not really the art itself that carries the value. It's the artist. It's it's the passion that's pouring into it, and that's how I see religion. So you look at right. the people like the Buddha, or you look at Jesus Christ, or Allah, or Muhammad. I'm um, sorry. Um, you look at these people that have brought forth these ideas. Not one of them, not to my knowledge, intended on creating a religion. Christ didn't invent Christianity. No, no. You know what I mean? It, there, there was there was a passion to it. There was a purpose. There was a calling to this this innate goodness that exists in all of us. And, and they were they were efficient at communicating this to people that were able to relate to them at whatever given time. So so to take that literally and say that these words that I've read right now hold the inherent value is a disservice to its origins, and you're negating the art of religion. And that's what's happened is what, you know, in Christianity when, what is it, the King James, the, the King James version, which is the common version, I've read the Nag Hammadi. I, I, I'm familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls and and how the Essenes coached Jesus into number one. What they what they knew is that okay, we've we've come into contact with this idea of original sin, right? So human beings have a real hard time loving themselves. But if we were to create this figure, this we let's call it God, if which is you, and they believe God is you, you are God. There is no separation. If you believe you can achieve, you know, type uh, these things that we hear um, perpetuated through, uh, call it new thought. It's not so new. If you can trick a, not trick, that's the wrong word, but but convince a human being to love this uh, this God, which is really you, right? So it almost is like teaching a child, if you, you're my father, right? If you can convince people to do that, well... If they love this God more than they love themselves, well, they're actually loving themselves. That's not in the Bible. There's nothing. There's very little about the empowerment aspects of the way Christ was brought up through the ancient Essenes. So, how does that get lost? How, how, how does it, with intelligent? Because I know intelligent people that are very fanatical in their religion. Not bad people. 
very fanatical. Maybe it's it's the inherent laziness of human beings to not look further than this text because another thing that I heard by Eric Weinstein, he talked about uh, doc, talked about uh, Jesus smuggling. So you you get into a debate with an intelligent person who is fanatical, or maybe not even fanatical. They're just passionate about and very intelligent. And you get to an area of text, say, where you're not you're not so familiar with with uh with the teachings in this area and you get weakened in the debate and and i thought it was funny that's when they smuggle in jesus well jesus said this jesus said that this is truth and and that's where it ends and then the debate stops there's nothing really at that point to to go back and forth about because they've taken these literal texts and whether it's the religion that contorts it into whatever that religious power structure was perpetuating at the time and they choose to believe that or they take it and make it their own like politicians do, right? I mean you look at a lot of the the Republican Party is based on Christian – well, they're not Christians. A lot of them, you know, by by Christian standards, a lot of them, they're not any politician. And, and, but they'll use it. They'll smuggle in Jesus. They'll smuggle in well, God. They use it to serve a purpose. Good. Theirs. Their purpose. Their, purpose. Their agenda. There's always got to be an agenda. How do you not see that? Uh, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, you talk about fanatical in debating and stuff. And, and I think that where most all problems occur is when a human being believes that their religion or beliefs have more value than another human beings. Even themselves, right? Even themselves. The, the, the themselves is the, the basic. But then once you go into, you know, that uh, not looking at someone's beliefs as equal, I think that becomes a huge disservice to the planet and, and humankind and, and to yourself, to the world around you. And I think that's really the problem um, that stems from this topic. Uh, people have decided that theirs is better than another person's. That, you know, you, you look at someone that may be Hindu. And, you know, someone that's Christian or, or Jewish or something, and they look at that Hindu and their beliefs and their customs and devalue it because they don't know anything about it because they're uninformed. Well, case in point, when we were kids in the neighborhood I grew up in, if we saw a Hindu <clears throat> with a red dot on their head, yeah. first thing we would do is laugh. You know what a beautiful symbol that is? What a beautiful symbol that is, but we, we just didn't know. And we're taught to if, – if if things appear different than they are and they might be dangerous. It was uh, interesting. You know, I uh, started out – I went to kindergarten and public school, you know, uh, out in the burbs of Detroit. And uh, I ended up going to private school, ended up getting a childhood accident. <clears throat> and I had a speech impediment for a few months. My mom was a speech pathologist. But my mom was like, no, no, I want you to go to private school for a minute. And in this private school, it was a, it was a Christian 
private school and it was only co-ed uh, K through five. And the funny thing was, is even though it was a Christian school, all religions were represented. You know, there were kids that were Hindu going to this school. That's, you know, that's a beautiful and, thing. And it was like a whole melting pot of different cultures all roaming the halls. And it was real interesting. And, and birthday parties were, you know, at that age, real different when you go to someone else's house for, from a different oh, culture yeah. and everything. <laughs> yeah. It was really, you know, mind expanding for at that age. And, uh, it was real interesting. And then, you know, I, I third grade, I went back to public school and it was right back to the old run of the mill, typical stuff, you know, and, uh, there was less exposure to culture and stuff and stuff like that. And then, you know, I ended up moving to the West side, you know, I ended up moving to, to Berkeley and, and going to schools there. And, uh, that was another melting pot. There was so many different cultures in such a short area and able to learn about others, religions and cultures that it was almost impossible for you to grow up thinking that you were better than or less than we were we all just had different ways of doing stuff you know that's all that it's kind of like how my dad raised me was you know skin tones are going to be different and cultures are going to be different and religions are going to be different but we all have the same equal value and right to be here on the planet as the next man or woman we all are doing our thing. We just get down spiritually differently. You know, everyone's got their own style and their own, their own way. And it's, although it's different, that doesn't mean that it's, the value is less. Right. You know, it doesn't mean their connection is less. No. And it's, and that, that was one of the things that really bothered me. So my, my dive into spirituality had zero to do with a need for a higher power, nothing to do with it whatsoever. I was fine. Well, I wasn't, but I, I felt like I was. I, there was no drive. I, I, I didn't need that higher power. I didn't need to pray. It was quantum physics, quantum physics, the birth of my son, and ketamine. So ketamine, I, I wasn't a, a guy then who knew how to meditate, and I was somebody who would always make excuses. I, I knew – Intellectually, I studied the effects of meditation and it all made absolute sense to me conceptually. I just couldn't sit and sit silently and, and I was very impatient because I couldn't feel these transcendental effects that I was reading about. So I would give up. Ketamine was medically induced meditation. It was the first time, and, and I remember the first time I felt this, this, this moment of clarity. It wasn't like, you know, because we had done ketamine in the clubs like a party drug, and it really didn't do that. It was just, oh, look, I can't feel my legs, you know, stupid shit like that. But but this one time I was down in Texas, and I did it, and I was writing at the time, and I, I was – and I did – it was transcendental meditation. I I felt connected, and it sparked something in my brain. It opened up a part of my brain that I had closed off because I was really interested in physics and astronomy when I was a kid, talked out of that by my, my career counselor in high school, went into finance and international business. Whatever happened in that moment, it, it opened up that curiosity in my brain again. So after that experience, 
and then feeling this unconditional love when I had my son that was foreign to me. Didn't know that existed. It was all bullshit. Like unconditional love, fuck that. There's condition. You know what I mean? I was real egotistical and, and uh, pessimistic in my – I didn't think I was. I thought it was great, you know, but in, in retrospect, I was. And then uh, quantum physics. So when I understood that we're all energy, that that there is – genuinely what we perceive as physical well when you get down to the subatomic particles that create the atoms that it's just quantum fluctuations that's all it is it's energy and the state that's determined by these subatomic particles and then atoms and molecules and cells and so on and so forth is determined by rates and frequency consciousness so when i understood that i'm like and, and it was the double slit experiment that that speaks on the dualism of particles. So if there is no conscious observer, a subatomic particle can't act as a particle. It floats in a wave. So there's a variability of different places where this this wave can end up. You can't predict it in full. But when there's an observer, it collapses into a particle, a determined state. That's been proven. When I heard that, I'm like, holy shit. So then I started thinking, so what's the consciousness outside of outside of me? Because I thought I was the only conscious being on the face of the planet. Like I lived in my own consciousness or subconsciousness rather. But um, I thought, so what's holding all this together? And and then that just led – and I had felt the unconditional love. I had felt transcendental, not not even knowing what that was. It was just a feeling. And it led me on this path, had nothing to do with trying to find this, whatever that is, whatever I'd been taught. None of that was even relevant to me. It was actually science. And, and then the, and then I understood that, okay, so there's this school of, through Newtonian physics, we, we, uh, we were able to garner the materialist worldview. Everything is, is, uh, comes from material, including consciousness. It exists in the mind. So that's the materialist. Consciousness first means, well, everything in the universe is conscious. The interactions between these subatomic particles, they're conscious. And they are. Not in the way that we understand them as humans, but they are. They, everything interacts. Everything is interdependent of one another except humans. We can be codependent, you know, selfish. We can be um, – but when I – when that made sense to me, all bets were off the table. Religion, I, I couldn't be confined by religion. I couldn't be confined by ideology. I couldn't be confined because I, I just understood at a, a deep visceral level that that we're all one. And if we're not really these things right here, if we're not the five senses, this 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 body that we're confined to, this this skull, if we're not that, then there's so much more. And I felt connected to everything and everybody, and it, and it had nothing to do with religion. Religion turned me off. Reli I wanted nothing to do with the idea of an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God um, that sits up there and judges me. And that was the monotheistic viewpoint that I was instilled with when I was a kid. Didn't make sense. But now I, I feel like, okay, well, everything happens to us, not for us. I, I, I delve more into the Buddhist Eastern philosophy traditions and but even there, I see flaws, and but that's okay. I, I still think it's beautiful, like that work of art, and that 
we're driven to even conceptualize these things, to contemplate. That's a beautiful thing. Why people are you so much? It, 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 it's ego, right? It's ego. If you need to prove that your God is better than my God or, or your belief is better than my belief, which you cannot do, you just can't do it. Not empirically. You know, it, it can't be done. But if you need to, that's all ego. That has nothing to do with anything that, that even closely resembles love. And that's what every one of these, these spiritual, um, thinkers, the, these master teachers, Christ and Muhammad, and they, they taught the complete antithesis to the ego driven need to be right. Everything that they taught was an antithesis to that. So I don't get into the subatomic particle stuff when it comes to spirituality a whole lot. Um, I was always on a quest when I was younger to know if God existed. That was my thing. And um, you could say I had a spiritual experience, maybe like six years old. I was on the swing set by myself. I don't know what hit me. God, well, yeah, God hit me. And um, so that was my proof. And things were, proof was always there. Um, and the universe would, you know, and, and God would toy with me and, and show me stuff. And it was good. Um, despite, you know, having somewhat of a dysfunctional household and stuff. Um, and then, you know, eventually... Uh, I became alcoholic, and I don't know how to explain it, but it was like when when I became alcoholic, all the perks of being a believer, man, it just got shut down. Like I don't know, I was always in trouble, and I was praying to God but like I wasn't getting out of the trouble and I wasn't getting out of the depression I was very depressed and suicidal uh, my teenage years real suicidal I didn't like people <clears throat> you know and um, and I wondered where God was at that time and uh, you know I do what alcoholics do and I do what addicts do is use and Use a lot of mind expanding drugs and or, or mind contracting. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know it was um, an interesting thing. I started to just seek new forms of everything, and I was angry. I was really angry with God, and um, I was out in Colorado, and I went to community college for a little bit. Went into Native American studies. And I would literally, like, switch. So, like, I would practice, you know, what the Lakota practiced. You know, great spirit, put tobacco underneath the tree. And that all things had spirit. All animals had spirit. You know. Take that into the subatomic realm. All things have frequency and consciousness. Right. Yeah. 
So I still wasn't really plugged in, but I was learning a lot, you know, and I was still alcoholic as hell. And, uh, you know, alcohol and addiction gets bad enough where you lose all hope and you lose all faith. But the thing is, the proof of God still existed. Now, I'm not talking religion. I'm just saying proof of God. And I remember... I remember getting into treatment. I remember trying to stay sober in the early in the early go. And I remember just reading a lot. <clears throat> I remember reading all of Emmett Fox's books. Uh, reading books on Buddhism, the Tao Te Ching. Uh, I read the Book of Enoch. Anything I could get my hands on. I was reading it from various forms of spirituality and religion. And I started to still struggle with recovery. I struggled for a long time. And, you know, I would, and I, and I had still a lot of Native American peace in me too. And I started to understand that I could do whatever I wanted, you know, and, you know, hardcore Christians won't really like this, but. I take what I want from different religions and different forms of spirituality, and 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 I take what works. What works. What works. And I've meshed my own. You know, That's I, spiritualism. I, right. Yeah. And, and I've created what works for me. And you know, I remember a few hard line Christians. You you can't do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, number one, I've already been dead a couple times. Number two. I've already walked through hell. You know, I, I don't really worry about the afterlife. You know, this, this one, this one was hard enough as it is. <laughs> My living life was hard enough as it is. So you want to worry about the afterlife. You go worry about that shit. I don't have time for that. Yeah. And I'm not going to modify my life to fit for something in the after. Cause I already know, I already know my, I already know how it works for me. And I, and I, I've always had an open heart and an open mind to all those that practice differently from me. Cause I love learning about how other people get down spiritually. It's fascinating to me. It really is. And I, I just I love to see a beautiful person, like somebody that's just got that energy. And rather than judge where that energy came from, I want to know more about it. I'm fascinated right. by it. I'm curious. Wasn't always like that. As a kid, you're taught to you were separate, right? Yeah. But I was. I, I was blessed to have, you know, free thinking parents. You know, my parents were all, you know, like they weren't religious. They weren't really spiritual. You know, they were just kind of like anything goes to you each know? their own <laughs> anything goes kind of the hippie mindset yeah there's yeah. something but i don't know what it is but i know there's something you you can figure out what you're going to figure out on your own and just make sure it works for you but for the most part it was real uh it was real chill you know they didn't really push anything you know they knew that life is life you know and it's gonna it's gonna do what it do and God's going to reveal whatever God reveals to you. And you, and I use the word God. I want to put the disclaimer out there. You know, 
I use the word God. Whatever word you use is is cool with me. Yeah, so, it's I, whatever. I, I mean, I universe, Mother Earth, whatever. Yeah, Mother is. Earth, Great Spirit, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> call Father it, Sky. Call it Bob. You know, it yeah. just it is what it is, and and the experience was for me was how what you know when you have a purpose driven life. You know, when I really got sober. You know, getting getting guys sober is is one of my gifts, and I'm really, you know, I, I'm good at it. And uh, and by using my gifts, my creator shows me more. It, it's it's weird. I, I can't explain it. It's kind of like the Highlander. You know, you chop the dude's head off, and you like power up, and you get stronger. <laughs> And it's interesting because it's like the more guys I work with or the well, more Well, that's guys, the hero story, you know, yeah, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. And, the more guys I get sober or the more people that I help along my journey, my frequency changes, my vibration changes. And and the experience that I, I seek from my God, because I talk to my God about the experience and and – that I want to see some things and, and I don't want to leave the planet without checking out a few things. And it just, the, the power up, I get powered up easily. Uh, when I see others who have been struggling on their journey and helping them on their journey and just kind of like the path is over here, you know, showing that the path is over here, still bumps on it, but this is the smoother path over here. And there's there's gonna be bumps, and and that's that's the common thread. I think any of the great traditions, spirituality included, would would say that number one, there's a dualism. Unless you're an atheist, your your matter that your worm food at the end of this, and this is all there is. This happened by accident. The true atheist, it's really nihilistic. But you know, you look at a guy like Sam Harris who. And I don't believe he is an atheist, even if he says he is. Like I listen to him speak. He, he's got his own meditation uh, system. And, you know, there, there's – even in that form of atheism, there's a call to a higher good, right? So I think in in just the human condition and our existence, no matter what ism you subscribe to or no ism, you can admit that there is suffering. On this planet, if you're a human, you you will encounter suffering. You will encounter what some might call hell. Now, in all of these traditions, except for maybe nihilism, there is a heaven-ish place that you can transcend to if you do a certain set of things. In all of these things, if 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 you live in a proper way, in in a in a, in a way that it, that is ordered to reach your highest good, you can achieve this other place. So, yes, we're bogged down by suffering, but there is – so what that's – and again – you think you've had other lives? It's possible. Yeah, it's it's possible because, you know, if I'm coming from a quantum physics perspective – I mean, you can tell some people like on the planet, like you can tell like uh, some of them like, this is their first go around. And then you can just tell some old souls that – like I've met some old souls that 
were like 30 years old and had the wisdom of like an 80 year old and you can tell they had many 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 lives i personally believe we're infinite and again going right. going back to the conservation so I'm of a energy multi-dimensional spiritual being this flesh is just my carrying case it doesn't really mean much man and it's funny even in science so the first law of thermodynamics and we talked about it before is the conservation of energy energy cannot be created nor destroyed it changes forms so that's all consciousness is it's energy so it's going to go somewhere i don't know if there's pearly gates i don't know if there's 72 virgins like i don't know what that is and my only my ego would try to Try to conceive. Well, you know, when you die, you weigh twenty-one grams less. Right, and and again, I you know, what does that mean exactly? It's I don't the know. My soul. Yeah, right. No, and I. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it was a little heavier than that. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Because we're all twenty-one grams. It don't matter. Because energy is virtually massless. There's yeah. there's very little mass in uh, subatomic particles and atoms. You, but we can go way off on this. You know, I I, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of stuff you can go with where you know we're intergalactic beings there's that too you, right you know we we can go there to that you, you look at scientology and you're like well i can see I that i asked you, you a know? while ago if you watched that movie what the bleep do we know oh yeah you seen it that's that's where the double that's what opened me up to the double slit experiment then i couldn't stop reading michio kaku and that's yeah. that's what led me on that path. Changing the frequency of the water and stuff yeah. and talking to the plant. Yep. If you and guys haven't seen out there the what the bleep do we know and that's that's what it's called. What the bleep do we know? It's a excellent excellent spiritual uh for the layperson, right? It, yeah. it really lays it out in terms that you can and if you're curious which I was infinitely curious, you can delve into it's it. Much I think further. it's like a documentary. It's like a it documentary is. about just spiritual energy and just how things respond to positive vibration and negative vibration and how things work. I didn't see the whole thing, but when it came out, I was really merged in, in, uh, over at Renaissance Unity. And, man, they were all watching it. They were showing it on the screen over there. And Well, they got a lot of those huge. key, key uh, new thought people, uh, Joe yeah. Dispenza and yeah. uh, Wayne, I believe, was yeah, in it. Wayne, Wayne was in it. You know, you know what's funny. This is just a, a little anecdote. Is uh, when I was uh, doing the sound for theater for Life Goes On, we were on the sound same sound stage. They were doing What the Bleep too, and uh, and it, it, when I think of that, it, in in terms of the contrast of my life at that time and, and where I was heading, to so I'm watching, <laughs> yeah, it, I know. I'm watching, it, and I was so bogged down in Life Goes On mentality. Ego. Man, when did it come out? Oh eight, oh seven. Oh seven, yeah, yeah, it was oh seven. Oh, uh, good times. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it, back to back to religion, though. If, I, I I don't see how it gets missed that in order because we are confined to the five senses, and if we're not people that think beyond the five senses, which most of our us aren't trained to do. I don't see even in that how you can't see how each one of these religious stories are based on human experience, right? You know, you talked about Greek mythology. Yeah. They made very human gods. And in monotheism and Christianity, that's a very human god that that you've conceptualized, 
right? It's, it's some are, uh, you know, uh, in Greek mythology it is. But if you go into like uh, Africa or South America, they are also polytheistic, and a lot of their gods were animals. You right, know, they had animal heads and. But five senses, nonetheless, right, right. material. True. And, you know, Einstein said it best. He said, look, for me to for me to even attempt to believe, I can barely conceive of the fourth dimension, you know, and he's the one who came up with the concept of space-time. And most human minds can't conceive of these additional dimensions. It's just not within our framework. So if there is something that's all-knowing, all-loving, all-power, just say – just infinite that all things spring forth where 10,000 years is a day and where there is no time. How can you possibly conceive of that outside of this framework and say that it's absolute truth? You can't. All you can know is experience. And that's what transcendentalism is. It's, it's that through your own experience, you can transcend the physical plane. Now, to be able to transcend, you have to believe there's something to transcend to. If you're a materialist, if you believe that all things spring forth from matter, including consciousness, you cannot transcend. That's to me, is nice. What do you think a 16-year-old believes? I didn't believe much. I can go back to me being a 16-year-old. I believed in women, you know, chasing girls. I believed in – I was poor, so I believed in getting money. Um, so I run, a, I run a substance abuse uh, class, mostly teenagers. Uh, most of them are court ordered. Just, it's weird. They they send kids on probation for weird stuff now. <laughs> uh, skipping school and making out with girls. Do they really? Land, yeah, land you in no probation. Shit. They call it truancy, and you get you get locked up for truancy and stuff. Now it's real weird. But you know, I wanted to ask. Wow. I, there was, I think, thirteen kids because I, I I was teaching a twelve and twelve thing form yesterday, and there was thirteen kids, and you know. I go over the steps in an indirect way, and we started talking about. Uh, I wanted to talk about God. What, what do you guys do? You guys believe in God? And they are like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." And they really to watch them talk about God. They're not religious. These kids, it's most of them, fairly secular. Most of them <laughs> these days, low income, uh, coming from low income families. A lot of dysfunction, single-parent households, all of it. And they would talk to God as God was their friend. And they, would, they, would, they, they were breaking it down. Like, sometimes all I got to do is to talk to God. I pray all the time. I pray when I'm walking sometimes. I tell God my secrets. And, and I always I love asking this question to whoever I'm in, if I, the conversation comes up it's always a great one and i said do you believe that god can read your mind they were all were like hell yeah god can read your mm-hmm. mind and it was so interesting to see all their concepts and uh and how they communicate with their god and and their level of trust even though they're all on probation. And they will talk about it. They're like, man, God showed up for me in the courtroom last week, you know. <laughs> and they look at it like that, but then they look at it as when I have to go walk around the block because my mom's getting beat by her boyfriend or something. Uh, God, I can feel God and God can hear me. It's and in the God word. talks back to me. 
I think that's the benefit of secularism. There is a benefit to it. it it's also – it can also lead to nihilism. But in secularism, you're led to your own experience like they are. Nobody's really force-feeding anything down their throat because it's just – it's whatever. It came to them. It came to them it came by their, their own experience. Own, by their own experience. And that's transcendentalism. Now, and that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing because if you transcend without knowing what transcendentalism – which I did. I didn't know what that was. Made, I hadn't studied any of these concepts, but I felt it. And when you feel it and, it, you know, and I didn't call this God, even though I, I think there's something, but for, I'm not going to sit here and try to say what that – I don't know what that is. I, and I, a name I, is just a I name. A name I don't is care. just a name. Right. I don't care. Like I don't care if there's pearly gates. I don't care if there's virgins. I don't care. I don't care what's there. I'll deal with it when I get there. And I'm sure I won't deal with it at the human level of consciousness confined by the five senses. So it's not a concern of mine. But to have the experience, that's the absolute truth. When you feel that compassion, when you feel that oneness, and you can't put it into words. I can now a little bit better than I used to be able to. But when you feel that, when, and trauma will do that. When, you know, God came to me when, or whatever that is, when... I would I, when I snuck downstairs and heard my mom screaming, and my dad had broken into the house. My biological father had a knife to her throat and was going to kill her. I snuck out the bathroom, called nine one one. It's like if I go back to that moment in time, and I've kept that out of, I've hidden that through therapy. That's come back to the surface, and I actually know what that experience was. But it was, it was like floating to the neighbor's house like it was real automated something was carrying me to the neighbor's house to call 911 to save my mom's life so it, from the buddhist perspective be grateful for your pain these kids through their pain they're being introduced and hopefully they'll take it and they'll run with it but it, you only have to experience once to know that it's true and you don't need anybody on the face of the planet to tell you otherwise because you know the mistake is we get caught in the trap of trying to explain that experience to other people who just don't agree, who haven't had that experience. And it, and, it, and then we get caught in our egos and semantics and we want to be right. And we really want to convince you that we're right. That's all ego. That's not love. That's not that transcendentalism that you just felt. That's something different. So, we, you know, we're in the human condition. We flip-flop in our duality. I've tried – I've stopped trying to be right. It's important. It's necessary. <laughs> you know, like I, I can't really think like the last time I really argued my point to be right, you know, like I find it it's been so long, I think I tell you the truth, I get tired. You know. <laughs> Easy. I think I get tired easily when you know uh it, don't you it, notice it, it quick, like, oh, this is where we're going? But also I think in the same time that energy that goes on in something like that. It's like you need to be respectful for the other person's point of view. Absolutely. So when once that thought comes in, the the debate, the argument, the need to be right just gets squashed. It's just like, dude, there's nothing better on the planet than a great listener. And I really, really became a great listener. That's, that's why you, you're able to help heal people because you listen to them. You're not projecting. It wasn't that way, you know, when I was 19 and 20. But, uh, you know, when I got a little older, I remember someone saying, like, you may be listening, 
but you're not hearing you don't, me. Yeah, 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 you don't. You're not hearing me. You don't hear me. me. I'm like, what the fuck you mean? I heard every fucking thing you just said. You know, I, I heard, and like I could regurgitate. And here's why it's wrong. They're like, <laughs> no, no, no. You're not hearing me. And I remember taking that with me, and I took that experience in that. And I was like, I'm not hearing them. And I can find myself sometimes. It's rare now, listening to someone, and I'll ask myself, Are you hearing them? I do it all the time, and I'm like, I'm hearing them. And then sometimes it's been a long time, but sometimes I'm like, I'm not hearing them. So when I'm not hearing them, usually what it means is I can't understand. You know, or there's a block that there's you need a, there's to deal a block, with. or I can't I can't break down. But it's been long, long time since someone stumped me like that. You know, I like I I like now getting stumped because. Because I really take it in. I don't – again, I, I don't need to be right anymore. There's there's no benefit in me being right. With my children, I'll play that role, right? You know, you, <laughs> you got to still play the role. You have to play the father. <laughs> so – and, and I, but I really try hard to catch myself in, in, in saying things like because I said so. Like I, I allow for them to ask questions. There's times where if I think they're going to run out into the street – you know, it, it, it takes immediate action. You got to step up, be a parent at that point. I'll explain later. You know, even in their, their disciplinary actions at school, I'll explain later. I'll come back to you on this. But I really try, and I've learned so much by being a father. Number one, the, fa- the thought that unconditional love e- even existed was foreign to me. When I felt it, I was open to it. I was open to the universe in that way. So I know that I can extend it. And you can't extend it unless you're infinitely compassionate, which means empathetic, which means you listen because you really give a damn. And that, that was one of the things that I, I, I was so bogged down in my own insecurities and in this because I would argue God too. I was a great debater and I, I could argue anything in, in debate. I don't know if you ever took debate class, but they would no. pitch you on intentionally opposing sides to your viewpoint and then you would have to argue that. And I never lost. I could always argue for anything. And, and that's great if I wanted to be a politician, but, but it, it, it was soulless. You know, it was a really How do you so- debate facts? How do you debate? Well, I, I mean, I, I ask the politicians these days. <laughs> you know what I mean? They call it fake news. That's how you debate facts. You, you can debate anything. You know, can I debate just... anything. Take a Stoic, you know, from Stoic philosophy, you can debate everything. I always make sure that I'm armed with facts, properly armed with whatever conversation. And Those used to matter. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I get into a conversation that I don't know shit about, I'm old enough now to say, you know what? I don't, I don't know much about that topic. I know very little. When, when I was younger, I would try to bullshit my <laughs> way through a conversation and just look like a complete jackass. You know, now... I just I don't know much, and I give the other person the opportunity to to teach me and inform me, and then I have the ability to go learn out on my own and and research on my own. And I think that's really what the journey is, you know. It is. It's just a research project of connectedness and spiritualistic, energetic vibration and. What works for you and how do you communicate with that that you look for power to? And how do you illuminate? 
in all things that you do, how do you illuminate? You don't illuminate by telling somebody they're wrong. Sometimes people are wrong. I, 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 I believe that. Well, that's a negative thing. And, you know, like what the bleep do we know? Didn't they talk to a plant? I thought they talked to a plant for a while. And they talked to one and they, they, they talked to one plant and gave it positive reinforcement. And the plant flourished. And, yes. And then they gave this plant like negative feedback and told it it was ugly and all this stuff. And the plant started to wither and like kind of look a little sickly. Well, and here's where we delve into the – and again, it was that particular documentary that in layperson terms got me reading uh, Stephen Hawking and, and Michio Kaku and all these physicists. And then it got me into Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton and and it really it just took me for a ride. But that – if anything, that indicates that we're, we're all energy. We're all frequency and the frequency that you emit has, has – a determined effect on those that surround you. We're so busy, caught in our egos, emitting this lower frequency vibration that I don't think we realize the effects. Even if you don't believe in a God or you don't believe in in a transcendental state of, of spiritualism, of soul, even if you believe that we're just material – well, you, those are the facts you can't negate because the, the scientific method, empirical evidence has shown what we truly are and what we truly are is energy. So when we project this negative energy, which is you're wrong, I'm better, all this egoic nonsense, number one, we're hurting ourselves because it just it comes back because we're in that field, in that negative field. Better than you. Right. It, it's, it's, I got a better car than you, man. And we're taught that. <laughs> Got a bigger house than you. Isn't that insane? Like that's what we you need to get a bigger house like me. Yeah, and if not, your your self worth is determined by these things at a very young age. I just got a pool in my backyard, man. You need to get yourself a pool too. I'm a better Christian. <laughs> I, I do the hail mary twenty times a, a I gave day. I gave more in the plate than you this week, man. What's your problem? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like the people that want to illustrate what they what they put in the that was me. Like I was embarrassed to not put anything in the plate. My so I envelope's had to make a, thicker than yours, man. In, insanity, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. But it's oh, that's some funny shit. <laughs> And that's all spiritualism is. We're probably getting close to buying my way into the afterlife. And you don't even know what that is. If there is one, you have no idea what that looks like. We could just be energy floating in infinite space. Whatever. You know, sin's an interesting (laughs) word too. I know, man. I don't believe in sin. Well, you know what you know what sin you know what the literal definition of sin is, right? It's an Aramaic term. It's an archery term. Sin, literally, in Aramaic, the, the language that Jesus spoke, means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So we perpetuated, or not we, but organized religion has the original sin. You're bo- How the fuck do you excel in life if you think you're born less than and you must bow to? You can't. How, how can – and that's not what Jesus taught. Purity. You're not pure, right? <laughs> and you, but you, I thought uh, sin was bad. I'm a sinner. You know what I mean? That was the great thing about unity, man. When I walked in that church, they were like, "We don't believe in sin. Oh. <laughs> worship, no. worship. What are you talking about? We don't worship. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus never taught to worship. You know, he wept uh, on Palm Sunday. 
It was it was funny. It was you know when my first sponsor took me there, I was like, "This is an interesting church, man." And you know what's interesting about the church? Because it was a church, I stayed away. My therapist told me the way you speak. Because I was all on this this new thought without knowing what new thought was. She's like, "You should you should check this place out." And then I grabbed a little yellow pamphlet, and I'm like, "It says church," so I didn't go. And then it was a daddy How long daughter. Did you days. not go? It was probably about six months. Right. After learning about it, and then the reason I went was for a daddy daughter dance because I, I wanted to take my daughter, so I took her to this dance, and then I started talking to Brett. And he was one of the first people I talked to, and Sean Powers, and and uh, and they're talking energy and metaphors of the Bible, and and I'm like, oh shit, they're talking my language. So I, I went back for Deepak Chopra because I'm like, well, if Deepak's coming, this ain't no church. That not that right, right. not what I've been taught. Came back for Deepak, haven't stopped going since. Now I'm on the board and in a. Uh, I think that's a beautiful way of good story, man. Yeah, I, but it, it's you know, it, it, and that's. But I, I, I talked myself out of it because I was caught in the semantics right. of God and stigma and church, and it, it's it's crazy the the how we limit ourselves based on words and, and preconceived notions and ah, preconceived. But, but that's our uh, that's ah. that's where the and that's why we called it conceptions of God because in reality. All they are is conceptions. We need to be mindful of that, I believe, and mindful in that everybody has their own way, their own path. And and if somebody's lighting, illuminating themselves, get out of their way, man. Let them do that. Let 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 them illuminate. We're we're so quick to to. No put, one likes the original, the person who's authentic. No, it's a scary thing, you know, right? If you're not conforming to something. Yeah, that's why I like. I always like rebels. You know, they're just like me. I have to blaze my own trail. I can't really. Bl- I can't follow. We're, I just can't follow. Where is it in life that the rebel gets sucked out of us? You know, because I know. Because I, I, I know mine did for <clears throat> for a long period of my life, where it, the, the whole just, Hollywood experience. It's so hard. Like I just can't follow nothing. You know, like I want the experience to be unique for me. And I want my own experience. And, you know, it's hard. So, And, and on that, live and let live. Um, Amen. I keep dropping the ums, but. It's all good. I didn't even dro- count drop your, today. Drop your comments. If you have any suggestions on what you'd like to, to us to speak about. and uh, Hopefully this was entertaining for you guys. Yeah, because that's all it is, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, there's maybe there's some tidbits, some things that, that will lead to further conversation. That's really all it is. That's really all it is. About having fun. Fun, speaking, growing, learning, illuminating, letting... letting uh, shining the divine light. Shining the divine light and hoping that, that others will shine it in return. It's the human condition. We'll, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you.